This podcast is brought to you by AIRS, Global Mobility Inspired Thinking. The focus of this episode is the evolution of household goods, looking forward to 2021 and beyond. Our special guest is Greg Kohlinger, Executive Vice President at Nelson Westerberg. I'm Sheila McKell. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy this episode of AIRS on Air. Welcome, everyone. My name is Rob McKillops. I'm the director of Move Management Sales at Ayers. In my role, I work with companies that outsource their household goods uh, program. Um, we manage the van line and agent selection for each move and provide the best uh, fit for each situation. We have a domestic and global supply chain of movers that we manage through a single platform. So kind of think of what we do and what I do on a day-to-day basis, like Amazon for household goods, where you kind of access a single platform to get a global supply chain. So that's that's kind of what I do on a day-to-day basis. I'm joined with my by my colleague, uh, Brandy Thorne. Brandy is the manager of international household goods procurement for our company. And in her role, she manages our global partner network of household goods providers. Uh, she's responsible for managing performance, pricing, escalations, as well as a number of other things in our partner network. So welcome, Brandy. Thank you, Rob. Glad to be here today. Cool, thanks. Our guest today is Greg Kohlinger. Greg is with Nelson Westerberg. Uh, they're one of uh, AIR's top tier household goods partners. So, hey, Greg, and uh, welcome. Thanks, Rob. So tell Good us a little you. bit about uh, Nelson Westerberg and kind of your role uh, at, at your company. Happy to. Uh, Nelson Westerberg was actually founded uh, over 100 years ago in 1904. Um, our core business really is just global corporate household goods moving and storage. Uh, we have regional operating centers throughout the United States, and that was partners, exclusive partners throughout Canada. Um, we do operate one of the nation's largest fleets of professional van operators that is dedicated to just corporate uh, moving and storage. Um, I like to say that our quality culture is to always go above and beyond, um, just recognizing that uh, our goal with each and every heirs move and, and other clients as well is to earn a perfect five score. Um, I'm on Nelson Westberg's executive staff, uh, heading up everything that aligns our sales, our growth with our service delivery model and our customers' expectations that continue to uh, to get heightened. I've been a part of Nelson Westerberg team for 15 years, uh, in October actually, and uh, Congrats. 40 years in the industry, so um, a little bit of experience. So I think you and I, our paths crossed in uh, previous lives, of course, so it's, uh, it's Yes, good to we see. did, it's and good it's to uh, good to be connected again, Rob. Yeah, it's great to see you. So thanks uh, for participating today and taking the time to talk about our industry. Uh, obviously, exactly. this is very, very important to us and very important to the people that use these services. So today in our time together, what, what I thought we would do is really just take a sneak behind, a peek behind the, the curtain, kind of see what Oz is doing back there in terms of household goods. And what we want to do is separate, Greg, it, it, the discussion to a couple categories. Uh, I'm going to ask you some questions about the domestic side of our business. And I'll invite Brandy later on to talk a little bit or ask you some questions about the global side, because although it's the same thing, it's dynamically different in many ways. So um, rather than blending them together, we'll just kind of separate them out. So 
I guess, um, you know, I've been in the industry for 29 years, not quite as long as you have, but uh, the business today, it seems to be at a tipping point. Of course, we've got COVID and a number of things going on, but for the last several years, the hot topics have been the driver shortage and uh, capacity and discounting and um, what the heck to do with all these small shipments and lump sums, right? So, um, and now there's the layer of, you know, what do you do with PPE and the travel bans and all the other pressures that are going on. So, you know, I think the first question I have from you is really what what keeps you up at night about the business? It's a it's a good question, and uh, uh, there's a lot that keeps me up at night. Always has. <laughs> um, interesting that 2020 is the first year in my entire career where our industry has actually had over capacity in peak. Um, you mentioned, Rob, small shipments. Well, actually, the small shipment, the service delivery model for small shipments, now 35 to 40% of total shipments, that keeps me up. Um, how do we get better and faster and smarter in handling that percentage of, of, of shipments, uh, making certain that we're uh, always uh, faster and, and, and performing at a, at a higher level? Hey, Greg, why, why do you think that is, that the shipments are small? I mean, what is the, what's the change? I think that the um, companies are, certainly demographics are changing. The workforce is changing. Uh, baby boomers are retiring. Gen X and Gen Y are, are certainly uh, the biggest part, the, the most significant part of the entire workforce. Um, leadership development programs and corporations it's having a big influence on, on small shipments. And it's uh, it's something actually that started uh, many years ago. In fact, theirs was the very first uh, customer that we put together a small shipment program for. That was over 10 years ago. So today I'm looking at it. And at that time, many companies didn't have a lot of interest in small shipments. They represented cogs in the wheels or sand in the gears. Of, and, and from my perspective, uh, they are critical, they're future leaders, and uh, we see more and more of them. In fact, we have many incidences where we're moving the same young employee, oftentimes a young employee, uh, three times in three years. So to, to me, they're just so, uh, so critical to focus on, and it does, it keeps, it keeps driving me to develop a better model. Do you think, uh, I have twin sons that are 30 years old, and I look at how, you know, they do things in their life where they're not so consumed with possessions necessarily. They'd rather have experience in life, travel, and we've done a lot of that as a family. But I think it bleeds over into how that, that particular demographic consumes goods. I mean, there's Ikea, um, you know, you're not hanging on to grandma's rocker anymore. So it seems like there's a lot of, the shipments are changing because of how we consume um, things in our country do you, or and around the world for that matter. Do you think that's the case? I absolutely well? think it's, I think it's one of the components. I think that your two sons uh, are probably um, not adverse to moving. Uh, the baby boomer generation, they moved a lot. Uh, the Gen Xs uh, didn't move a lot. The Y and Z generation, the good news is they like to move. They like to be mobile. They like to move on. Uh, they have less. Um, but certainly that has an impact. I think the other thing that has an impact is we probably are, are handling more renters uh, than we had in the past. There were more homeowners. 
Um, so there's uh, people have uh, have less. Um, they uh, want to opt out of uh, owning vehicles. I know if you live in the city of Chicago or New York City or Boston or other cities, you may not need to own a vehicle. But um, nevertheless, we look at them, Rob, as uh, future leaders of their companies, and that uh, getting that great score is is important, very important to us. So I hear don't you get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. We want we want to handle the all the big VIP moves as well. But we recognize that part of the process is being able to do everything and to, to do it very, very well. Do you see that coming back? You see, uh, I mean, obviously we recognize that the, the VIPs and the bigger shipments are going to be here as a, as a smaller percentage. But do you see the small shipments or, you know, putting five shipments on a truck going back to one or two shipments at any time in the future? Or do you think this is a trend that's here to stay? I think it's a trend that's here to stay for a, for a while. I think that uh, containerization of some form. Um, has to be the the uh, major way that we handle small shipments. Uh, we we're, we're more uh, international forwarders uh, handling domestic shipments. Um, the the good news when I refer to multimodal in that we will utilize Nelson Westerberg equipment to move those shipments, but only if we can move those shipments within the time requirements and the overall expectations of the employee. Main thing is that we are moving it securely and safely and fast. So it sounds like you have a very logical and um, quality-oriented solution to handle that as we go forward. I, I think that it really does come down to logistical uh, solutions that sure. uh, where you make the very best decision given the, the shipment requirements. Um, so the other thing, Rob, that really does keep me up at night is the certainly the pandemic and, and all the social Unrest, to safety protocols, um, everything we're doing, uh, working as hard as we can to mitigate the risk for our customers, the relocating employees, drivers, partners. Um, that's a big deal. That's a, that's a really, really a big focus. Um, the, uh, the, folk, the fears, I was thinking about this the other day, the fears that, that um, Relocating employees and their families have, they're real. Um, and I've talked to a number of them. They're no longer concerned about just moving to a new area where they're starting a new position, they have new neighbors, uh, meeting new friends. Today, <laughs> they're very, very concerned about COVID, about social unrest, about their kids' education, uh, virtual learning. And so much more, um, what, what keeps me up is, um, are we doing enough? What more can we do? Um, over the past two or three weeks, we've, uh, we, we've been putting as much into counseling our own professional van operators in the critical importance of not just adhering to our PPE policy, AIRS protocols, quality expectations, but we're, we're putting more and more emphasis and, and, and time into um, how we work with our drivers and how our drivers um, assure the employees and their family at residence that we will always go above and beyond for their personal safety. And safety never used to be that item that we talked about on an intro. It is now. Absolutely. And it sounds like, you know, and I think for all of us, and this is a, obviously a personal observation, but COVID, 
there's there's a couple of different parts of COVID and what it's done to our psyche, I guess, throughout the course of how we conduct business and our personal lives. Like you were saying, educating children and just growing the grocery store. These are you know different times. So it sounds like you're not only dealing with the, the business aspect of the expense or what's involved with COVID, with PPE, um, perhaps additional protections in the home, whatever it might be. But it seems like you're dealing with the, the psychological or kind of the downstream sides of as, as we try to figure out where we're going to settle as a country and then, of course, a, as a world and then as a business, it seems, right? Absolutely. I've, I've had uh, many, many conversations with uh, whether it's mobility specialists or, or directly with employees, just assuring them um, what will happen at origin. And uh, um, one comes to mind that it was a, a spouse of a Johnson & Johnson uh, executive that was a medical doctor. She was uh, very, very fearful to move. And there was social unrest in Atlanta, or I'm sorry, in Philadelphia. And just communicating with her. her husband was already on assignment and just communicating with her in such a way and making certain that our driver did in such a way that she could actually, to put it in her words, that she could actually make the move. <clears throat> so the fears are real. <clears throat> and <Yeah. clears throat> we're trying to <clears throat> get our entire driver population to recognize that it's not just about policy, but rather... How do you communicate when you're at residence? How are you assuring that employee? Because that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, I tell you, that's very, very interesting point. So the, the changing um, nature of our business is kind of your, your main thing that keeps you up at night. And then, of course, of course COVID and where that's going to settle. So thanks for giving some insight on that. Now, you know, on the other side of this, there's probably some things that make you jump out of bed in the morning and say, hey, I want to I want to run to the office or whatever. And and things that you really enjoy, you know, give us some insight, you know, some of the positive things that you're seeing today. And, uh, you know, the, what really does keep you jumping out of bed in the morning? Well, for one thing, during this pandemic, <clears throat> jumping out of bed and being in my office is a fairly accurate statement. Uh, <laughs> Because I, too, uh, work from home about four days a week. Um, but really, what continues to drive me, and, and, and it has for years, it's uh, listening to customers um, like heirs, um, finding solutions, filling service voids. And we're not in this, the business that I'm in, the household goods industry, <clears throat> we're not known for being... <clears throat> Um, very change-oriented. We're, we're fairly conservative, and that's always I've always been on the outside of that, thinking that finding solutions and filling service voids, um, how do we create measured value, making certain also that our entire team has sense of urgency. You know, when I think of errors, I think of sense of urgency, do it yesterday, and just making certain that uh, that all our entire team is uh, wrapped around all of those goals. It's really exciting to me to uh, find ways, uh, service solutions that create competitive advantage. Because I think that if we're competitively advantaged by our people, our team, our drivers, we find ways to make certain that uh, that airs is uh, is competitively advantaged also. And, and I value that tremendously as a uh, culture of providing competitive advantage for, for our customers. That drives me, uh, always has. It uh, drives my company. And in these uncertain times, 
I really believe that that thinking is even more critical to uh, partnerships that are built on uh, on trust. Yeah, and I mentioned earlier tipping point in 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 our industry. I think that can cascade over a number of different you know parts of our society and economy and business. But you're right. I mean, the the van line, the nature of how van lines were set up is almost like the railroad, right? There was the there was the, the way things have been done because it was set up that way where what you're saying is listening to customers and hearing what's happening and what those needs are today, just to let, by the example of the small shipments. Well, how do we take that, this battleship that we're on and turn it slowly in a time when everybody wants it done so quick, you know, you change now, give it to me now, you know, instantaneous society. So it's interesting listening to customers is driving a lot of that. We see that from not only your organization, but from other partners that there's new solutions. And I think that the exciting part about the future is, hey, how is technology going to impact this, right? I mean, what's, what's your thought in terms of, um, you know, some of the technology advancements that are taking place? Again, keeping in mind, what we're all trying to do is create a better customer experience. So it's not necessarily about us. It's about what the customer needs. So what... What do you see from a technology standpoint being a standout as we go forward? I think technology might be the single greatest area of uh, both differentiation and also working seamlessly within, as an example, all of your partners to deliver that value. I think that um, uh, the, the time is now for how we work in an integrated way that completely wraps around your goals. I know that from my company's perspective, in as much as our capital expenditures every year continue to be in buildings and in rolling stock, trailers, etc., I know that, that our continued investment over the past five to six years and our information technology infrastructure continues to be weighted very heavily. Uh, discussion just yesterday about um, how we're advancing in data security and, and protocols necessary and, and the certifications that we are working toward. So um, technology, on the other hand, that that I that I view in addition to the IT infrastructure, um, as an example, we have moved forward on. We refer to it as NelsonWesterberg.com, and that's really designed to serve uh, as an example, Air Springboard, and that's a no-touch process that allows an employee to go in and book an entire move without ever having communicated with anybody. So we are there. Um, that was something else that we thought was very important and something else that we have kicked off with uh, Air Springboard. And that is, uh, that is getting traction. I think that in the no-touch move that we worked on with, uh, with Atlas, that is, uh, that's something that we're doing more of. Um, technology in terms of uh, virtual surveys, that's actually the norm today. So right now, instead of just performing a virtual survey, we're trying to go, we're going through all the steps to make certain that we are improving our accuracy on large shipments for virtual surveys. So there's a, 
there's a number of areas. And I think the other thing, too, is just on the metric side, uh, how we perform and process improvement and, and where, we, uh, where we need to perform. The ability to manage that data, how's that data in a warehouse, and the, the ability to pull data out with one goal in mind, which is continuous improvement, Rob, it's, uh, it's critical. It's, uh, it's very, very critical. So um, I'm going to show my age now, but you don't think we're going to get to a, a Star Trek situation where we're going to beam furniture up, do you? <laughs> and make it completely hands-free? <laughs> well, I think that Ayers might have that expectation of us, so we'll, we'll, we'll have to think through that. <laughs> no, I, I think the one, you know, the one thing fundamentally, regardless of what happens on the periphery with technology, you still have human beings that need to carry things and um, wrap furniture and do packing. It's a very... Um, labor-intensive experience, and you know certainly everything in our life is now technology-infused, and it's good to hear that not only your organization, but we've seen from our supply chain, both domestically and globally, that that virtual survey and some of those things, um, you know, obviously safety, uh, communication with the transferees, notifications, and things of that nature are really making the experience overall um, uh, much a better experience, a more aware experience for the transferee, it seems. Yeah, I think that that gets back to that listening again, and especially with uh, Gen X and, 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 and uh, the Y and Z uh, uh, employee population, they want mobile responsive technology. They want ease of doing business. And therefore, as a company, um, you know, as long as we keep listening, we're going to keep making the investment in uh, in technology. Um, not saying we're getting away from purchasing new trailers and putting up buildings. We're still doing those things, sure. but they need it, it. It must be in an environment where and how customers want to buy. So I, I just have a couple more things I want to run by you before we pass it to Brandy on the global side. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I was talking with a prospect about next year and, you know, very large global organization. A couple weeks ago, we had a conversation. I said, hey, what do you think mobility is going to look like in 2021? And her reply was, before we talk about what re relocation is going to look like next year, we really as employers need to understand what the future of work is going to look like. And I mm -hmm. kind of paused and thought about it. It's like, yeah, you know, that makes perfect sense because we're all trenched in here at Airs doing our budgeting for next year, asking a lot of questions to our prospects and and clients saying, "Hey, what are you going to have? What volume and all this kind of stuff?" And I think the pause was, "We really don't know because we have work from anywhere. We have work from home, and you you're you know you're a testament to that. I've been working from home since 2008, so um, it's become more the norm. And until we have some settling of what COVID's going to do." Um, in the workplace environment, I'm curious to find out um, what you think the future of work is going to look like as we go into 2021, maybe from your perspective as well as your clients, and then how it will impact, how you feel it's going to impact moving. And, and maybe you take it a step further and talk about the commercial side of your business where, you know, there's office moving and things, which you know, we all know that there's people aren't in offices moving things around. So curious on that topic, what the future of work will look like. Yeah, that's, uh, I wish I had a more clear crystal ball, but I will say that in as much as our industry really never had many people working from home offices, 
Um, well, obviously we do throughout the country. And I think that, that as the pandemic winds down and hopefully soon, um, we'll see um, less people working virtually, but I do believe that virtual offices are here to stay. Um, specifically on the, on the commercial side, uh, the commercial real estate footprint is getting smaller. And there's just lots and lots of, of, of space. Um, I think that um, no touch moving and virtual surveys are the norm. And they'll continue to be uh, uh, something that is requested uh, on an ongoing basis post-pandemic. I think that, um, and where we're engaged with other customers, I think the LDP process, leadership, leadership development programs, are gaining tremendous traction um, where we can move the same employee three and four times over a three or four year period of time as this employee advances in, in their career. So I'm bullish in terms of, of our business and in terms of mobility and, and, and household goods moves. Um, EX, the employee experience, the overall employee experience uh, is gaining tremendous traction because that's a profit uh, objective. You know, talent differentiates and how do you measure the employee experience overall? And certainly mobility is a, uh, is a big part of that. I think, yeah. and I think expectations of quality and, and service and responsiveness because Rob of, of technology, et cetera, I think expectations are gonna continue to be heightened. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's incumbent upon us as an industry then too, to make certain that we're driving operational and cost efficiency for you through, uh, through process improvement. Um, those are some of the things that, uh, that I see. Some of them are not new, but, but in the current environment, it certainly makes it a little bit more, more challenging, but I think staying the course uh, is pretty critical. Yeah, our leadership, um, you know, we talked about it because everybody's kind of saying, what is this, what is it going to look like tomorrow and next year and the years after? And I think we've all acknowledged that mobility is obviously number one, it's changing. Number two, it has been shrinking for a while. And, um, you know, the, I think the people that are frightful of that change are the ones that may fade away. And I think companies such as yours, and I'm glad you mentioned that you're bullish about the future because I think as we take that and so are we at airs to say, you know what, people are going to relocate and we're just going to have to do it differently than we might have done, you know, even five years ago. Um, but there's an, a huge opportunity where it's not necessarily a challenge. It's an opportunity, right, to grow and do things differently and add value in areas maybe we didn't even think were possible uh, just a few years ago. So yeah, I think, go, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm just going to say that <clears throat> Profitability uh, is is so absolutely critical right now. Um, are you profitable? Are you continuing to invest back into your business? Are you not only retaining but but growing your capacity because you're able to at least maintain a, a strong degree of volume? But this is a time when when many companies are certainly struggling on the cash side to be able to continue to operate. And so that's been obviously very, very critical to us um, as well, maintaining a debt-free 
profitable position to continue to perform for our customers. You, you mean you expect to make money in the household goods business? <laughs> we, no, I, I, point well taken. We all have to do, we're, we're not non-for-profit, right? For, for sure. So, no, and speaking of non-for-profit, I know you are very, uh, you're involved with a lot of uh, philanthropical organizations. And I know one of, one of the ones that um, you participate in is Move for Hunger. So I'm really curious, um, tell, tell the audience more about what Move for Hunger is in case they don't know. And and um, how you got involved with that program, because it's really, it, it's a, a really solid, good program uh, across the country. It is. Move for Hunger is our industry's initiative, uh, headed up by Adam Lowy, who is the chief, ex chief executive officer and founder of Move for Hunger, but great solution to providing one of the most essential things there is to human life, which is uh, uh, meals, uh, nutrition. And so Move for Hunger started years ago. And actually, Nelson Westerberg has been involved with Move for Hunger for a long, long time. But at the start of the pandemic, um, I talked to our owner and my boss, uh, Steve Westerberg, and said, you know, Steve, I don't think we do enough. And, uh, and yet we've been supporting all along. And so I volunteered to chair uh, our Move for Hunger initiative. And I called it doubling down at a time when people are most in need and they continue to be in need. And the food banks are continuing to, to not uh, be full enough. They're emptying out all over the country. So the, the basic process for Move for Hunger, Rob, is, is rescuing food at individual homes um, where that we're, we're moving the individuals and we're rescuing non-perishable goods. Well, the other part of the process is finding companies that um, uh, are willing to contribute um, food, uh, manufacturers or distributors. So long story short, um, we just finished uh, from March through um, current, Nelson Westerberg has contributed just over 500,000 pounds of food, um, feeding many, many, many thousands of, of people in many different uh, cities. So we're proud of that. We believe that if we're not the Move for Hunger Partner of the Year, we'll either be first or second. And um, we're closing in on an all-time record. And really, it's, it's due to the to the hearts, uh, the, the, the desire for our team to give more than others are willing to give. And it's honestly been a galvanizing process where uh, our team feels pretty good about it. And at a time when we're not connected together and we're not going to have a Christmas party and we're not doing a lot of things to be together, our, uh, our goal to give back has been a big, big uh, uh, source of uh, energy for our entire company. Well, congratulations. And that is, um, you know, from the ashes comes things like this. And I, I know that, you know, it's, it's easy for all of us on a day-to-day -day basis to get down about, you know, what we're experiencing with the pandemic and the restrictions we have, so on and so forth. But as we look, we don't have to look very far to find things like this that are just really, um, you know, like you said, the most fundamental thing on earth is to, to is food. You need nourishment. And this is a great cause that you're involved with. So congratulations. And that's, um, that's very, very exciting to hear that you're participating in something so, uh, 
Thank you. Yeah, that's valued so much. So um, in terms of, uh, I wanted to invite Brandy into the conversation and maybe put an international or global spin on, on our discussion today. So Brandy, if you're uh, set to go. Hey, thanks, Rob. And Greg, congratulations. Over 500,000 pounds of food. Wow, that is, that's amazing. That is amazing. Thank you. Um, you know, just just people giving, and especially in a time like this, uh, and our the way that our our climate is right now, our global climate, um, our U.S. domestic climate. Um, that's just fantastic. So, congratulations. congratulations. Thank you. So, you know, talking about move for hunger, and and you you kind of you you kind of mentioned something that triggered to me. Um, with not being able to be with your team for the holidays and you know, not having the holiday parties, uh, using something like this to, to kind of keep everybody together and keep everybody jazzed and excited about what they're doing. You know, and, and, and we've been talking earlier in the conversation, you know, we mentioned the, the industry is changing and we're talking about remote workers. You know, I, I, it got me to thinking about company culture. Um, how do you think the remote worker, and if we start to see more of this, you know, how, how do you think or what do you think are ways where companies can, uh, you know, keep their culture alive? What, what ideas do you have about that? Well, certainly one of them is uh, working together on a Move for Hunger initiative. That's been a big help. I think that you know, the social media, um, keeping in contact like that, we have uh, probably like airs, we have uh, weekly uh, Zoom reviews. We engage not just our executive and management team, but we try to engage all employees. Um, we find that uh, our email blast going out, our, our uh, other um, um, elect, uh, social media uh, blasts that go out. They go out to the employees as well. We want to keep the employees informed as to what we're doing and how we're doing it and how well we're doing. We want them to be encouraged um, that uh, we can only speak for our company, but we can say that we are doing very, very well through yeah. the most difficult time. And, you know, I mentioned the no Christmas party. We just talked about this on a, on a conference a couple of days ago, you know, what, what to do for our employees, recognizing that we're not going to have the time to have the parties and the fun and, and what have you. So um, we, we really work to let them know how the company is performing, what we're doing well, where we can improve, um, and just how very important they are. I mentioned the fact that we're doing that with our drivers also. We, we, as a rule, we used to do that with drivers, but not with the frequency that we are right now with communicating to the guys that are on the front line of providing service. And they have been on the front line as essential workers since the, since the pandemic started in March. So I think, I think these are all um, really good, you know, good things uh, to just, just keep that, keep the lines of communication open is what we're trying to do, Brandy. For sure, for sure, and you know we're 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 partners, and and you know all about errors and about our culture and how important culture is. All and you know I've been on um, several calls uh, over the course of the past several weeks 
with uh, a lot of our partners, um, our global partners overseas, as well as our part partners that we work with on international moves here in the U.S. And, you know, we, we're all talking about challenges. You know, COVID has been just the, probably the biggest challenge that anybody has seen, you know, at least in my lifetime, you know, 17 years in this industry. And this is, this, this is like no other. Um, you know, but from, from your perspective, you know, what, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've seen with just with international moves? You know, what what has your team been reporting back to you? Like, wow, we really we, we're really seeing this as a challenge now. Well, certainly. Border closures, travel restrictions. Um, and the uncertainty that employees have of, of how long it will take to return to some form of normal. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly the assignments are, are, are way down. And, and just the recognition, it's a challenge that, that, that uh, volume will take time to, uh, to get back to the normal. But then you put on top of that, and I mentioned a lot of the things on the domestic side, but on the international side, um, <laughs> it just continues to go on with, uh, with, with flooding and drought and, and so many other things that have an impact on, uh, on these assignments. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, you know, if you think about, we talked about technology on the domestic side. Well, what about the technology of the mobility technology of just knowing on the international side, where your employees are, you know, right. where, where they are in a, on any given uh, moment. So <clears throat> um, I think that, that while the, as, as Rob mentioned, the, the domestic uh, volume has been stagnant for years and actually has been going down a bit, we saw international as just tremendous upside for years now. And now international is beginning to, you know, see that that downside as well for all the reasons that I mentioned, and then some. Um, so I think that um, uh, um, you know we've got employees unable to return to host comp host countries. Um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of concern out there, and then of course you still have the cost efficiency one, but but again. Um, you know, those are some of the, I guess, the biggest challenges, Brandy, that, that I see that are maybe a little bit different than on the domestic side. Yeah, absolutely. Immigration is certainly one of those things, um, particularly for employees that are planning yeah. to come to the U.S. You know, there's that big question mark with immigration and and, and how, how that's going to impact in our, our industry from an international perspective. And then, you know, you look at all the other things going on in terms of the global climate. You have Brexit in the UK and things of that nature. So, you know, you're you're right. There are certainly so many things that, um, you know, that are are really challenges right now. Absolutely. Um, and and with those challenges, you know, comes uh, learning lessons. Uh, in in 2020, what were we, what would you say are some of the biggest lessons learned for for Nelson Westerberg or were you as an individual, um, what, what, what would you, what would you say would be the lessons learned? for? I, I, I think they are lessons that we continue to enhance as part of our culture mm -hmm. to be nimble, to be fast, to be responsive and to not wait. 
I, I was thinking about um, when this pandemic started. We couldn't get PPE. We couldn't get masks. They were rightfully going to healthcare workers. Yep. We identified uh, four people in three different locations that they said they could sew. We found the material. I mean, I think that resourcefulness is a is a lesson that is always to be learned. That there's always a way you can. It's always a way to do something. There's always a way that you can uh, um, uh, resolve uh, the challenges. Um, so I think really, Brandy, it's it's just having sense of urgency to deal with um, things that none of us ever would have guessed that we would have to deal with in our lifetime, but we are. Yeah, and, thinking, and as, thinking outside yeah. the box comes to mind for me, you know, yeah, just, and, just having to get creative and um, particularly with solutions. I mean, we, we know under normal circumstances that um, both domestic and international household goods, they, they have their own, they have their own little problems and hiccups that happen. And, you know, I, I think that thinking outside the box really comes to mind for me with that. So. I, I, I agree with that. And, and I think I'll, I'll always go back to listening, listening to you, listening to, to so many others at airs as to uh, how your customers' expectations are changing and what the sense of urgency needs are and, and how do we adapt to that and how do we move fast because that's what's so critical you only have one opportunity to serve and and um, and, and make certain that you're addressing the needs so absolutely I think that and there's, I, there's one thing i think about that and i think that we you know as partners we just we we have to do that together absolutely right absolutely so in, in summary, um, Rob, do you, do you want to, do you want to sum up some points for our audience here? Yes. Thanks, Brandy. And thanks, Greg. You know, um, the, I think, you know, as I've, as I've listened to you, Greg, and I think just all of us in this conversation, it seems like, you know, we're in a very mature industry. People have been moving since the dawn of time, I suppose. Right. So, and we didn't talk a whole lot about the operational side of, you know, when the rubber hits the road and how you pack a box and all those kinds of things, because it is a mature industry. And those that know how to do it, they do it well. Um, but it's the other things like the technology and listening to the experience or uh, what the expectation is to create the proper experience. Um, and I think, in, you know, in some ways we look at this going forward that, the you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same, because ultimately We've got a layer of, of a pandemic um, and other things. But prior to any of that, we still had highs and lows in our industry, right? I mean, each year we dealt with different challenges and had to adapt to over, uh, I guess you said we have over capacity now, but we had under, not enough capacity before. So it's just a different, it's a different challenge. And partners such as Nelson Westerberg that we have, it's great to see the, the again, that attitude of being excited about the future and being bullish about that. I, I don't think that's going to change as an industry. Um, finding the solutions, I think, has, it's accelerated, right? I think the pandemic, what my observation is, is it's, a, it's the haves and have-nots. Those that are not going to adapt and change and be able to progress forward will be the have-nots. And the companies, and I believe, you know, those of us that are with Ayers, we're in a, a have-type company and so are you 
at Nelson Westerberg. So, um, you know, in terms of a closing, I'm just I'm thankful we've had this opportunity to to look behind the curtain of what you do in your day to day job and kind of some of the issues that you're challenged with today and some of the things you're excited about. Um, so certainly appreciate you being involved today and the time you've taken to participate in this discussion with our audience and, and uh, Brandy and I. So if you have anything to add, Greg, that'd be great. Just focus on winning. And, uh, and I know that we will. <laughs>